Hello everybody, I'm Ron Waxman. This is another edition of the Journal Club for the CRM Journal, the Cardiovascular Revascularization Medicine. I have with me Dr. Spencer King, the Associate Editor, the, or the, the Editor at Large, and Dr. Gary Mitz, the Senior Editor. And we picked today a paper which is called First in Man Evaluation of Serolimus Eluting Stent with the Bluminal Fluorometric Trifusal coating with ultra thin struts by OCT at nine months follow up. In short, it was called the Promoteo study. And the um, key author of this one is Dr. Jose de la Torre Hernandez from uh, Barcelona, I believe. Santander. <laughs> and also, we're going to uh, welcome here Aline Plumen from the Netherlands. She uh, wrote a commentary, a very nice commentary on the paper. So. I introduce everybody. I'll let you, uh, Jose, to present the paper, what it's all about. Okay, this uh, this study is uh, first in man evaluation of a uh, novel design for a drug looking stain in, uh, in humans. You know? And this uh, first in man was a study in uh, uh, small cohort patients, just uh, only more than 60 patients, and uh, undergoing the implantation and afterwards. Uh, angiographic and OCT examination of Nightman's follow-up. What is the novelty of the stem? Because there are many dragonless stems coming to the market, uh, I say every year for many companies around the world. I think that the, first of all, it's a Spanish company. And uh, this Spanish company has been producing the stems for many years, from the late 90s, I remember. I was a fellow at that time when they came to my hospital with a red metal stand. And with, we said at that time, it's impossible to do a stand in Spain. <laughs> this is American technology. And this guy from Barcelona said, no, I can do it because it's a laser cutter, no. And they manufactured stems and these stems were good, really good. And then we helped this company to develop other, other stems in the future. They have working with, been working with Dragon stems for, for many years. And uh, they came with this design, which is combining the features that have been more successful in the Dragon Stem technology, which is a very thin chromium uh, strat, 68 microns with uh, cross section in an oval shape, streamlined to be more I don't know, uh, flow compatible and to create less disturbances in the, in the flow. Uh, it's an open cell design. Second is the, is the drug that is eluted, which is a drug that is uh, a Limus drug, which is a, the Limus family is the, the best drug of, of sure to be used. The polymer is a fluoropolymer, the fluoropolymer that was uh, firstly uh, designed for uh, use for the drug uh, science, for the Valorimus eluting stents. And this polymer has demonstrated the, the very, very low uh, thrombogenicity. It's very thromboresistant, highly biocompatible. And that's the reason why uh, science stents have been related with the lower, uh, one of the lowest uh, thrombosis rates. And uh, a new thing, a novel, real novelty thing is to covalently uh, link the polymer with the triflucel. Triflucel is a drug that is on the family of salicylates. Is from a Spanish laboratory in Barcelona, and this trifluxal has a, a capacity of blocking the antiplatelet uh, aggregation. Then these are the components, some of them very well known, like the, the strac called chromium thickness, uh, the polymer with the throat polymer, the limus drug, and finally this trifluxal. And with this combination, this stand was uh, used in this uh, in the study. We included patients with just uh, indication for PCI, excluding uh, patients with. Uh, uh, complex lesions like CTOs, lepnase, uh, SVGs, or uh, bifurcations, restenosis. There were the novel lesions uh, uh, in patients with uh, any kind of clinical indication except for STEMI. Patients with STEMI were excluded. 
it's because all the considerations of the thrombus bar and all this. Finally, we calculated uh, for the endpoint, the primary endpoint was uh, the percentage of extraction of the in the same volume by the new intima at nine months after implantation. And we can see here the secondary endpoints with this strat coverage of uh, at nine months, uh, malaposition, and other parameters. And finally, uh, the calculation of the sampling based on this primary endpoint was for at least uh, 55 stents or 60 patients. We included uh, 65 patients. We were over the target. Uh, and in the follow-up, we lost patients uh, because we were in the middle of the outbreak of the COVID-19 and six patients declined in basic follow-up that was exactly in the time of lockdown. Then uh, finally, we could get uh, 58 patients at follow-up, uh, 63 target lesions, which is uh, fortunately over the target for uh, in the sampling and statistical calculation. And uh, in these patients, uh, the geographic follow-up, uh, as is shown here, was really uh, very good because we have uh, the late uh, lumen loss was 0 0.11, as you can see there. And binary stenosis was just 1.6%, only one, one case showed uh, this, uh, this value. Uh, for the OCT uh, follow-up, uh, we did the OCT, we did angiographic, uh, the typical graphic for, angi for angiographic late lumen loss with only 6% uh, of patients over 0 0.5 late lumen loss. In the OCT, uh, we see the, on, the new intima pattern with the predominantly homogeneous, uh, no trumping. Very interesting, no, uh, any kind, not, nothing of trombi at all. Regarding the mean intima volume extraction, that was the primary endpoint was 10.5% uh, with standard deviation of 6.9. And uh, regarding the cell level analysis uh, and cover stats, just 2.5, malapose 1.1%, and the new intima thickness 110. Uh, then these are the results. Of course, we need to put this in contest. And we, uh, in the paper discussed, uh, we compared the findings this, uh, of this, uh, this is a, a nice figure, a composition of an angiography, an OCT. This is the baseline lesion in circumflex, the immediately post-PCI, and finally the nine months follow-up showing a very thin, but complete uh, intimal coverage of the stem without the imaginations and malaposition and a very thin layer of intima. As I was uh, saying before, uh, we compared these results with other the races and studies with nine months follow-up uh, doing a CT and, uh, and, and geographic follow-up. And this uh, late lumen loss of 0.11 was among the lowest in, the, in all other registries. And the OCT as well was uh, in the lower range of intimate perforation for the uh, volume structure. And it's very interesting that this is the only study I have seen, and maybe other one with uh, the old endeavor stand with no trumpet, no? Uh, I, that stand, the Sotarolimus endeavor was a stand with a more intimate proliferation, and it's not strange that no trombi was seen. But in the, among the, all the powerful dragonitin stands with la, uh, currently used, it's very uncommon to see no subclinical trombi like in this uh, in this study. Regarding clinical follow-up, of course, it's not a clinical study based on clinical event because a very uh, small uh, cohort. But there were only two cases of TLR. One of them was catched in the angiography follow-up, and the other one uh, was uh, with a mild, moderate uh, restenosis at the end, at the time of angiographic follow-up, but developed uh, restenosis afterwards, uh, 11 months uh, of follow-up. Then this is the study. You no, know, basically we tested uh, a new design or structural stain that was uh, based on different features that have been successful in, in the stain technology that we have for nearly 20 years 
with us. And uh, the OCT and angiographic uh, examination have been really promising, have been very positive. No? And then we need now the clinical, the clinical data in races or trials. No? This is the, the summary. Thank you very much, Jose. So Elaine, uh, you want to give us the main points in your commentary to the paper? Uh, yes. So first, I'd like to congratulate Dr. De La Torre Hernandez with this first demand study. I think uh, the follow-up, especially the angiographic and OCT follow-up, was quite impressive considering the circumstances. Um, so the main points of our commentary were that um, it's a very interesting device as it combines features that are all potentially of uh, causes tend to be of low thrombogenicity. Um, so we were actually wondering um, uh, why did you choose to have a nine-month DAPT uh, for all patients? Is this standard clinical practice or? This was, uh, the study was designed uh, nearly two, nearly three years ago. At that time, the short DAPT times were not well established. And uh, although there are people that's more uh, in favor of the short DAPT at that time, like me and others, others in the, other guys in the group said, we don't know very well how this dragon stain is going to, to behave, how it's going to be the performance. Let's be cautious and uh, let's place at least nine months because we don't know. Maybe uh, when you're testing a new dragon stain, the first is a safety for the patient. And then we decided to go with a long APT. On the other hand, these were our patients with Halvidin rigs because we excluded those kind of patients. But uh, you're right that now these stains with this uh, data and OCT, they could be a really a very tolerant with uh, six or even three months of DAPT, definitely. Yeah, I think it's, uh, that would be very interesting to see uh, results of short DAPT with this device. Um, also considering the, the strut shape, as you also mentioned, it's more of an oval shape uh, and this may um, cause less flow disturbance and also um, causes less formation of microthrombi around yeah. those struts. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, any other comments, Eileen? Uh, um, I think the other main comment that we had about the device itself was that um, maybe it, the visibility of the device when uh, during the procedure may be um, suboptimal as it's uh, made of cobalt chromium struts. Uh, and there are other materials that may give you a bit more uh, advantage in terms of visibility, um, such as platinum chromium devices or platinum iridium core wire in a device. Um, so, uh, what were your experiences with the um, placement of the stents? Yeah, this radiopacity, you are right, is similar to that uh, you see with uh, the science or the Osiro or other stents, because we have many uh, cobalt chromium stents now in the, in the shelf in the market that have between 60 to 80 uh, microns. No? Uh, it's to the platinum adds more visibility, like uh, like Synergy, for example. But uh, the visibility of this stand is similar to the others. Then you are more used to this because we are working with this technology, with these stands every day. But you are right that sometimes uh, the new equipment in radiology also is better. Then we can see, or you have the, the same vision of the booths or other technology to, to place more when you have problems with very obese patients or something like that. Thank you. So Gary, you've been a, an imaging guy for, for so many years and you have been assessed all the technologies uh, I was first in OCT. Uh, so first of all, what's your impression on the OCT outcome? And I'd like to ask you two questions. One, can we rely on OCT data to determine that uh, DAPT should be stopped because should have they done the OCT at a shorter period, period of time? And also as a surrogate, is that good enough for us to uh, 
equate the performance of this stent to other stents if you compare by OCT measurements or findings? Yeah, so this is probably as good as I've seen with any other stent. So to answer your second question first, if you're willing to accept surrogates, which the US FDA obviously will not, um, but this is a pretty good surrogate. And in terms of using OCT to decide when to stop DAPT, uh, the, um, the nine month coverage is really quite excellent, but we don't know what an earlier coverage is. Um, so if you really want to stop DAPT early and base it upon imaging, you need to have a one month um, study. And this has been done in some studies by randomizing follow-up. So everybody gets baseline OCT and follow-up is randomized to one month, six months and one year or something similar um, because the excellent nine month coverage does not really tell you what's happening at one month. Now, the, but I'd like to go, you know, to look at a slightly different direction. I mean, these ultra thin struts are really nice in terms of limiting thrombogenicity and so on, but there's a trade-off and the trade-off is necessarily the strength of the stent. And so I start to worry when we get to some um, point like these 68 micron stents in terms of stent deformation, um, uh, stent dislodgement, uh, particularly if they're used in proximal vessels, when we know that deformation is more common. So I, I think that there's also room for a stent that is more robust for treating osteo-right and left main disease, where the size of the vessel is so large that the ultra-thin struts are really not so necessary. That's a very pertinent comment, and we, we have seen with the new stands that are around 70 microns uh, recoils in, the, in Austin in right coronary artery. And you dilate the balloon, you see full expanded, you retrieve the balloon, and you see like it's a shrinkage of the stand. And you do, I was in yeah. not a good result. And I think you're right, maybe we should have a stance with a thicker strut just for these locations 3.54 millimeters diameter stands with this thickness, or at least new alloys that maybe in the future, because the engineers say that less than 60 microns is going to be very difficult to retain to get radial force with this cobalt chromium. Maybe we need uh, other kind of, uh, of metallic uh, uh, alloys or, I don't know, carbon-based, something like that. I don't know. But it's true that uh, there is a trade-off. Spencer, any comments? I mean, do we need more stents? I mean, we have a lot of stents that became a commodity. Uh, what what is that you're looking for a new stent to enter into the clinical arena? Uh, well, I think first of all, congratulations, uh, Dr. Delatore. That uh, th th this hits on a lot of things. This is kind of like uh, throwing the kitchen sink at uh, stent technology. So you hit a lot of things at the same time. I, I very much like the idea of uh, thin struts. I like the idea of a design that. Uh, reduces shear, you know, shear force uh, uh, aberrations and all these things are, are good for the uh, antithrombotic uh, nature. You've got a coating that's uh, some kind of poly, uh, some kind of uh, polymer uh, fluorocarbon, uh, fluoropolymer coating. 
plus you've got some uh, drug in there that's uh, an anti-aggregate uh, uh, drug, plus an anti-restenotic drug. So it, it's a lot of things. It, it raises the question to me about uh, manufacturing and, and you know, complexity of the stent. Uh, it's, it looks like a very excellent stent, especially for the kind of lesions that were treated. Uh, Gary raises a, an important point that is, uh, if you needed more radial force, uh, would this kind of stent be uh, appropriate for that? But, but, but again, uh, with intravascular imaging and all, you probably know whether you need a lot of extra radial force. You know, if you've got a big artery, if you've got a calcified nodule or something that's going to leave you with a with a funny shaped artery. The endpoints, uh, I think, are are interesting. I don't know how much the endpoint of late loss, uh, you know, is really interesting anymore. Uh, obviously, if you if you in this group, you seem to get complete expansion. I mean, as I read the numbers, but if you have any kind of uh, lesions that are more resistant and you get less acute gain, then your late loss always looks better because you get some initial uh, recoil, which is not counted in your endpoint. Uh, but that didn't seem to happen here in the kind of lesions you treated. I also, uh, you know, this uh, your main objective here appears to be, you know, how, how do you have something that's really not going to have any instant restenosis, which is which is an important thing, although that's become very rare. Uh, but 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 to really take advantage of it, you want to cut out your antithrombotic therapy, which we know is bad. We we want not to bleed. So I th think this idea of being sure that uh, the one month of DAP would be a would be fine with this stint is uh, is an exciting thing. If you if if I was uh, going to decide if I'm going to use this kind of stent, I, I would want to know what's the advantage. Uh, I, I love every component of your uh, of this design, but uh, to solve the clinical conundrum, it's it's got to be something that uh, can get around systemic use of uh, antithrombotic medic medications so that we don't have to uh, have our worst problem with standing, which is bleeding. But I think it's, it looks like a great, uh, a great stent to uh, uh, continue to advance. I wrote a little editorial for Ryan called, uh, uh, has stents gone as far as they can go? And maybe we have to add this one on to, okay, you always can go a little bit further. <laughs> you know, if the um, manufacturer is planning to commercialize the stand uh, in Europe or outside of the Europe, or this was like a one attempt that tried three years ago, and then the company, like other companies, had no resources to move forward to commercialize the product. Yeah, they are they, they are doing. They are indeed. They are commercializing. They started. They uh, we did the registry with uh, several hundreds, and uh, they are now commercializing in Europe and in uh, South America. Particularly, uh, they have a huge business in for all these uh, cap lab uh, devices in South America and in Spain, of course, and some countries in Europe. They are doing, they are commercializing, yeah. Now, where is the Prometheus came from? This is not a Spanish name as far as I no. know. No, it's from the mythology. Prometheus was the uh, the first man, no? That was created by God uh, with the best compliments, no? And, uh, and there was always us, <laughs> which is another excellent outcome, but 
this as Prometeo, no? The first, the idea was this, no? We take the best and we did a stand that suppose it's gonna be excellent because we have good components. Sometimes it is true, sometimes not. And Prometheus in the Greek mythology is, uh, is an equivalent. Of course, he was tied up to that stone and uh, the eagle or whatever ate his liver. So I hope that doesn't happen to you. <laughs> I, I, I think the, uh, the idea of a stent with all these components, uh, how do you differentiate it from other stents? And I'm not a, a business consultant and I have no interest in, in, in that, but it seems to me that uh, the way to market the uh, stent with all these features would be to charge more for it so that everyone will, uh, <laughs> will, will, will want to do it. But that's a bit of a joke, but really is it, is the, I mentioned the, the complexity, seeming complexity of the manufacturer and, and will there be a, any limitation with the manufacturing relative to the cost of manufacturing or the complexity of it? Is, is that any kind of problem that you foresee? It's complex, and, uh, but the good thing is that this company uh, is a typical family company that uh, when the new uh, generation take over the company, they were uh, trained in MIT, for example, uh, the, the, the main boss in, in, in engineering is a close friend of mine. He spent many years in MIT in, uh, in Cambridge in the US, and uh, the brother also was working in California. These people, has, as a new generation, they took the energy of the father, which is a typical Spanish uh, entrepreneur. But these guys say, no, no, we are not, we cannot be just followers doing the same that other companies are doing the same stance, whatever. Let's do something new. And they are doing, but you are right, it's complex. The, the manufacturer, I had been in the, in, the, in, the, in the facilities. Wow, there are a lot of uh, chemical engineers. There is a lot of uh, work before the, the, the manufacturing. They are investing money. They are doing make, they're making the money for another field, for another business, you know, and they see this uh, part maybe is not so uh, profitable for them, but this uh, gives the company some prestigious, some really uh, predominance. But they are doing the with commodities. They, they, they are doing the business for, with other companies for the hospitals. But this, this stand is like the, the peel, no? the, the brilliant thing they, they demonstrate they can do, you know, but it's true that it's more complex than other stands. Yeah, what uh, I see here is that uh, we, as, as Spencer, as you mentioned, we added all the knowledge, every stand that we came, but then it come to the point with what level of uh, development you're going to achieve any more gain and how do you prove it? And no. we have not been successful to do head-to-head -head studies and showing, I mean, maybe the exception was Osiro, but again, uh, maybe not definitive outcome uh, to say that this is much better than the best in class. So it's probably going to be among the best in class. How do you find a better stand without doing a head-to-head -head study? I don't know. I mean, clinically, because that's what counts at the end of the day. Um, the mentor of Elaine, uh, uh, Clemens from Bergelen, he probably was doing the master of so many head-to-head -head studies <laughs> over the years. And that's why I asked his group to uh, review the paper because uh, it was very hard to find differences and it changed from one year to a second year and to a third year. So I'm not sure that I think we reached almost to the plateau in terms of the advancement of DES technology will really need a full breakthrough, which we hope it was the biodegradable scaffold, but that didn't happen. So it's probably going to be just among the other good stands, but it will have to show it on a larger cohort of patients, obviously, and to 
be at least equated by performance goal or at the head-to-head study with one of the best stents in the market? Ron, you know a lot about uh, FDA and how they do. Is the, is the use of two, two different type of uh, drugs in the stent, one anti-thrombotic uh, formula and, and one uh, anti-proliferative, this, does this cause a problem for approval uh, in, in the U.S.? I believe they add more complexity to the review process. You know, there are two uh, sections within the FDA. There is the device and there is the drug. This is a combination device and it will have to be reviewed and cleared by both uh, CDRH and CDR. And when you add two drugs, you always ask the question about interaction between the drugs. Is one drug affect the other one, toxicity? So it's not make it easier for sure. And FDA would not accept just, uh, I'll give you 2,000 patients with great data. They want to know what happens between the two drugs. So the pharmacokinetics, the elution, uh, the distribution over the polymer. Um, this is a durable polymer, so at least they don't have to show kinetics of degradation over the polymer. And the pol- polymer is known. So I think one drug is very known. The other drug is not that known. Um, so it's going to take a little bit more data to provide. Uh, and, and you know what, we found out that not every company wants to do that right in the U.S. because of the cost and because the uh, price of stenting is falling uh, year by year. So at the end of the day, it's not a business decision to come to the U.S. with this technology. So I don't know if we'll ever see that stent in the U.S., but, you know, I'm pleased, you know, it's pleasant to hear that the company will continue in Europe. And if they will be committed to gather more data, we may be able to evaluate long-term outcome of this stand because we know that most of those DES stands, they still have some creeping events related to the stand over years. And the question if this technology would mitigate it to show some advantages, not at one year, but maybe three years or four years, it remains to be seen. Yeah, just go ahead, Gary. Just to echo what Ron said, I'm skeptical that this would even enter into clinical trials in the U.S. because I think the hurdle for the pharmacokinetics of the two drugs is going to be almost insurmountable uh, given the questions that the FDA is likely to ask. Well, our time is up, guys. So I'd like to thank to everyone. I'd like again to congratulate uh, uh, Dr. De La Torre Hernandez and his group and the company for bringing another probably good device into the market. We uh, are happy that we were able to give you a platform in our journal to present your nine-month OCT data. And I'd like to thank to Elaine and Dr. Professor von Bergland for helping to review and write the commentary. And to you, Gary and Spencer, for joining me for another uh edition of the CRM Journal Club for the month of November. We are a little bit late this month, so stay tuned. We'll be soon with the month of December. So thanks, everybody, and uh, have a happy holiday. One last comment I want to say is uh, it's a horror to be facing this luxury panel. Elaine, these are three of the most important persons in international cardiology, and you know best. And I hope to submit to CRM the last registry of the stand that we are running now. And uh, let's see, we are lucky to be published with the clinical study. Gracias. Gracias. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye.